Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 156 of Selling the Couch. Welcome to a new season of the podcast. I actually took the past month off uh, just to focus on self-care and to make sure that uh, I'm pacing myself well and making sure that I have quality guests and all of those things on the podcast. Today's podcast session is a topic I feel like in some ways, some of us, uh, including me, don't often want to think about, which is disability insurance. But it is a topic that I think is worth having a conversation about. Because the reality is many of us are solo practice owners, and even if we have a group practice, God forbid, but there might be a situation where because of health or anything like that, you may actually have to step away from your practice. And so what happens in a scenario like that where you have a sudden loss of income, if you're by yourself, like how do you handle that? If you have other members of like your family relying on your income, how do you handle all of those different things? And my guest today is Aaron Channing. Aaron is actually a dear friend. We play basketball together. Aaron is quite the basketball player and he's a lefty just like me, but he's also a financial advisor here in the Philadelphia area. And Aaron and I have had a lot of, so one of the cool things about Saturday morning basketball is we uh, get to have some fun and interesting conversations with uh, just lots of my friends that are in different fields. And one day, uh, Aaron and I were just talking about retirement and insurance. And I know these are the things that we talk about, but uh, I was like, you know what, Aaron, I think this conversation we're having, it would be cool to have on a podcast. Um, Aaron actually works with a lot of medical professionals and small business owners actually all around the country. And he works with them specifically in terms of how to develop a financial goals for their business, as well as thinking about insurance and and all of those different things. After Aaron and I had actually finished this conversation, we were having a, a follow-up conversation, and I was just chatting with them, and I said, you know, a lot of times what I grew up with is the idea that it's all about income generation, right? So let me figure out ways to generate income as a small business owner, but I never quite learned or never quite understood that part of generating income is that we have to do certain things to protect that income in the event of something that is unforeseen. So um, 
we are talking all about those unforeseen circumstances. So we're diving into the world of disability insurance. What exactly is it? What are the different types of disability insurance? Which ones do we need? What is and how do we actually show proof of income as small business owners in order to qualify for disability insurance? And then what is the reasonable price when it comes to to disability insurance? Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, This is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and, I call him Dave, Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest, and honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with and Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told. It impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that. And he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, It's absolutely free to download. And it's called The 7 Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. So uh, we'll get right to today's conversation. Here's my conversation with Aaron Channing. Hey, Aaron, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, how are you? It's good to see you. um, Good. It's good to see you as well. Actually, yeah, that's true. We are FaceTimed, yes. <laughs> yes, we are on Zoom recording a video. But I think before we get started, I'm grateful for you, grateful for our friendship. I feel like this topic is one that I'm excited about talking about, which is disability insurance. I guess excited in a nerdy sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's such an important topic because mm-hmm. I know that many of the folks listening to the podcast, they're either solo business owners or they are responsible for other family members or income is contingent upon, you know, so there's a lot of responsibilities there. And I feel like this world of disability insurance is just intimidating for a lot mm-hmm. of folks. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially the word insurance too, I think has a connotation that people don't know much about, but it is an intimidating topic. So it's important for people to be educated, especially the listeners of your podcast, growing businesses, but also supporting families. No, absolutely. I wanted to start at kind of the very beginning and just to make sure we're all on the same page. So why is disability insurance so important? So Melvin, in my field, when I help my clients, the two pillars of financial planning is growing and also protecting. So when we think about protecting, the biggest thing we want to do is not only protect our families, but also protect our assets. And it's weird to think of it this way, but our biggest asset that we'll ever own, if we look at it with a human life value, is our income. Obviously, houses are, are worth a lot of money and cars and other things like that. But 
if you really looked at our ability to make money and compounded it with inflation over the our working years, we and our ability to work and do our jobs well and make paychecks because of that, we are multi-million dollar assets. Yeah. And you never actually think of it that way, right? Because everything else depends on having income, right? Mm. The, the house that you want, the mortgage we pay, the rent that we pay on an office, all of those different things. Mm, exactly. So the analogy I like to teach with my clients is let's say we have in our house, in our basement, we have this machine that prints off money and it prints off thousands of dollars every week or every month and it just prints off money. That's all it does. And what if I told you that one in four or one in five of those machines will break and it will not print off the amount of money that it should, maybe half of the amount of money or maybe even less than that. And I told you it would cost 1% of whatever that money prints off to protect that ability to fix it when it gets broken. Hmm. Does that seem like a good decision to do? And that is disability insurance generally. I like the machine analogy. (laughs) It's a good way of looking at it because one, I'm like, I feel like a lot of folks are listening. They're very visual. And I don't know, like for me, if I'm just completely honest, I mean, I'm I'm 35 years old and reasonably good health, but I never sort of envisioned that something would happen, right? But I think a lot of folks fall into that trap, which is, you know, I'm, I'm young, whatever, whatever. And so... I don't really need to consider or think about that this machine might actually break <laughs> or have some issues at some point. Right. And it's, it's the, I always tell people it's the 35 year old and under male mentality, the invincible <laughs> mentality. Cause yeah. at, at the end of the day, Melvin too, the reality is only 20 to 25% of people ever do on, go on long-term disability. So it is unlikely, but is it worth using a small percentage of our income to protect if that catastrophe ever happens? I'm glad you shared those stats. You know, the other side of this is just, I can't tell you the amount of emails that I've received from colleagues who have talked about things like cancer diagnoses and other health issues that have come Mm -hmm. up that have impacted their private practice income, right? And a lot of these are, you know, I never expected this to happen, you know, sort of, there's that surprise element, right? There's, I guess, in this thing called life, there's an element that we don't have control over. Right. And then one other statistic for you that I share with my clients is the most common type of disability is a sickness. When we hear the word disability, we think of wheelchair and complete physical impairment, where it actually is the long-term disability definition is just your ability to not do your job. So most of the time in our society, it's the cancers, it's the sickness. It's exactly like you said, our colleagues that uh, we saw as the young and healthy, that the sickness is more common when it comes to long-term disability. Just shifting a little bit, I know, and you know, just a little bit that I've read, I know that there's different types of disability insurance. And well, one, like what exactly are the different types? And mm-hmm. then how in the world do we figure out which ones we want versus which ones we need? And I feel like that's a, a common confusion for a lot of folks. Yep. So there's three types of disability insurance. There's short-term disability insurance. There's long-term disability insurance. And then the one that not many people know about, which is very important, is called disability overhead expense, or also paraphrased as DOE. So short-term disability insurance would protect somebody if they went on claim for three months or less, just around 90 days. And the elimination period or the time that you need to be on disability before the payment would come out would be around five to seven days. So I always recommend to clients that if we're going to buy individual disability insurance, that is the one that I would deem as least important 
because the premiums don't outweigh the benefit because it would only be a three-month window where you'd actually receive the benefit. The most okay. common type of short-term disability leave would be a pregnancy leave. Got it. Yeah, so, so that was the question I was going to ask. So yeah. what would be like an example of like a short-term? Okay. And I just wanted to like clarify, you said sometimes the premiums on short-term disability is not sort of worth just because it's such a short amount of time. Is that right? Correct. So if the, if the short-term disability insurance could be half a percent of less than 1% of somebody's income, which seems small, but at the same time, even it would the maximum payout would only be three months long. Got it. So it, so it might not outweigh the, the benefit that you would receive. So I always recommend to, if we want to prepare ourselves for a short-term disability experience to increase our cash savings and have a sufficient emergency fund or rainy day fund, that if that happened, that would be able to protect us more so than the short-term disability insurance. That's interesting. So I never actually thought of it that way. So emergency fund, because I guess what we would pay every month might actually exceed the, I guess, the benefit we would get or... Correct. Yeah, exactly. So the next one, long-term disability insurance, which I would say is the most commonly used and the most that I would recommend to people. So long-term disability insurance, you pay a monthly premium. It's typically around 1% to 2% of your annual income, uh, but you pay a monthly premium and then you'd have the elimination period, which is the time that you would not get any coverage before the benefit would be kicked in. You'd have three different elimination period options. You could use 91st day, so a three-month elimination period, or a six-month elimination period, or a full year of waiting for the coverage. The longer the elimination period, the cheaper the, the coverage is. Got it. So I guess give me, not at all to put you on spot, like, I guess what would be an example of something like this? So let's say that, you know, God forbid, but like there's like a cancer diagnosis, Mm -hmm. right? And so in a situation like that, where maybe it's like something that's like, you just go to an appointment, it's very sudden. And then the next thing you know, they're like, this is aggressive. We're going to have to do chemo and radiation and all that stuff. So I guess in a situation like that, you said there's that time period, right? So how does that work if, you know, you may have to go like stop working, for example, or transition from, you know, working existing hours to a shorter amount if, you know, if you have chemo or things like that? So for that example, if somebody was going through that process and they felt like they were going to have to be on long-term disability, Mm. they would file the claim with the insurance company. And then the insurance company would be in communication with the medical professional or the doctor, whoever they are going through this chemo and going through the tests and the MRIs and the CT scans with. And they will go back and find the timeline of when was these diagnoses, when was the symptoms occurring. And then three months out, that's, and they still would not be, and the doctor would deem that they would not be able to perform their duties in their job. That's when the benefit would start to be paid out in the 91st day of the time that they found out the symptoms and were occurring. That's interesting. So I guess what do people do? This might be a really silly question, but what do people do in that time frame, like that 90 day window? Yeah. So the 90 day window is just the most commonly used thing is if you are still sick and you cannot perform your duties mm-hmm. and you still are not getting the disability coverage paid to you because the be- you're in the elimination period, you're just using your savings. You're using the money that's saved up. And again, that's why I always reiterate the, the power and the importance of having an emergency fund in your financial plan mm-hmm. is because if that happened, you're still waiting for the coverage to kick in and waiting for the benefit to kick in, you'd still have that liquid savings filled enough that it would it would last you those three months of not receiving the benefit. 
Yeah, to be completely honest, I never knew about elimination periods and I'm grateful we're having this chat. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So that's long-term disability insurance. Like I said, you can pick the duration of the elimination period that you would like to forego. The longer elimination period that you would like to receive, the cheaper the disability insurance is. I always recommend, because the cost difference isn't substantial, I always recommend just using only three months, which is the shortest amount of time you'd wait. Now, if you're somebody, some people who have financial plans that they have a ton of money sitting in cash and they feel like they're, they're very good savers and they have a lot of savings, it might make more sense to have the longer elimination period because in an event of a disability, they might have a longer time that they could live off the savings before the elimination period would, uh, would be finished. But those are the three common elimination periods I recommend just doing the 91st day because if that happened, you're probably paying a, a ton of co-pays, a lot of deductibles and a lot of health bills that we might not want to wait longer than three months to receive the disability benefit. And then the third, and one that I think is really important for the listeners of the podcast is disability overhead expense. So this is for people who are run their own practice, Schedule C, uh, have their own businesses and business owners. And what happens is if you went on a disability, this would pay the co- any type of expenses that you deduct through your business, whatever that dollar amount is on a, on a monthly or annual basis, they would pay you that benefit. So the reason being is that if you were still running a practice, so let's say someone is runs their own practice and they have their business still flowing, even though they will personally be on disability, they might still have the business running and have a friend help out and they might still have overhead expense that they would be expected to pay. Even though they'd have the individual long-term disability kick in, they might not have enough money to pay for the overhead in the business. So this would be a great policy to be able to still have the benefit pay and, and help the business run while that person wasn't sufficiently be able to do their own part in the business. So it sounds like of those three options, it sounds like for a lot of the listeners, the DOE may be the, I guess, the best option to consider. So DOE only gives, it does not cover your individual income. It only covers the business overhead expense. Uh-huh. So I would recommend both. So the DOE is the cost of it is way less than the individual policy. So it makes sense to supplement both of them. And then also the coverage of the DOE is much different than the long term. So the DOE kicks in after 30 days and it only pays 24 months of your monthly overhead expenses. So it doesn't last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. The reason being is the insurance companies have found that if a business owner is disabled for more than two years, most likely that business is either going to be sold or run out of business, that it seemed like it doesn't make sense to have more coverage than just 24 months for the mm-hmm. overhead. So that makes sense. So basically the DOE more has to do with overhead expenses. Exactly. Exactly. It's not, and it's just for the business and the overhead through the business. It's not for the individual and protecting their family. So it sounds like a common thing folks do is they do, especially if it's a small business owner, a DOE plus either short-term or long-term. Correct. Yep. What is the difference between any occupation and own occupation? There's many different types of disability insurance policies in general when you go to purchase one. Like we just talked about, the elimination period is an option that you can change the the amount of coverage and also the cost of the policy you're going for. The other option you have is figuring out the occupation that you'd like to apply for. So there's two options. You could have any occupation or own occupation. What that means is if you applied for any occupation for your disability insurance coverage, it means the, the insurance company would only pay your benefit 
if you were hurt or sick enough that you couldn't do any job. So for example, if someone on this call runs their own practice and they wouldn't have, and they get cancer and they wouldn't be healthy enough to perform their duties in the business, but they picked an any occupation insurance coverage, that means that the insurance company would say, well, you could still be do clerical duties or you could still be a secretary or you could still be an assistant. So it would not pay out your coverage it would only pay out your coverage if you wouldn't be able to do any job. If you Now, that would be the more on the disabled side of things. Okay. Where even if you were hurt or sick and you couldn't do your own job that your PhD or your master's degree allowed you to do efficiently, they would say, well, you can still do another job, so we're not going to pay this benefit. Where own occupation means the doctor declares that you would not be healthy enough to perform your duties of your job. Got it. So why do people, I guess, select the any? It's cheaper. That's the big reason. And it's really not substantially cheaper. So I I believe that's a bad policy and it's a bad contract. I would only recommend own occupation to people because especially for the listeners on this call, you work so hard and you've made such a commitment to receive your doctorate or receive any higher education. And you have a passion for running your business. Why would you want to settle to doing any other jobs other than the one that you are so passionate about? The own occupation, that's basically a subcategory of disability insurance, like long-term or short-term? So let's say the example I like to use, let's say you go to Wawa and you say, I just want to order a hoagie. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know it's much more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. You go to the screen and you click the made to order and you have millions of different options. Mm-hmm. With disability insurance, it's the same way. If you just want to say, I want to buy disability insurance. Well, like we talked about, there is millions of different things that make it more different options and supplements that you can use. Like we talked about, you have short-term disability, long-term and DOE, but then you also have the elimination period that you would like to pick. And you also have, if you'd like to have any or own occupation as well. So you pick one of them and that changes the coverage and also the cost of that policy. Does that help you kind of understand yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's sort of subtle nuances to each of these mm-hmm. sort of just saying that, you know, you want disability insurance. I think it's like a common way of saying it, but there is like so many subtleties to it. Right. I wanted to shift a little bit because I think this was actually a question that a couple of weeks ago, I had posted this in the selling the couch community about, you know, what questions did folks have when it came to disability insurance? And one of the questions that came up was around like proof of income, Hmm. right? And so again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you need to show some evidence of income in order to qualify for disability insurance coverage. Is that right? Correct. Yep. So once you pick up the policy and we ordered the policy that we'd like, now the next step is called underwriting, where the insurance company is going to see if uh, they approve you of the coverage that we'd want. Two, the two biggest plays that impact the underwriting process is your health and your proof of income. So what proof of income means is if you are a W-2 employee, you just need to show them a pay stub. But now most listeners on this call, they're not W-2 employees they run their own practice. So you would need to show them the average of the last two year tax returns of whatever your proof of income is. And they will not give you disability insurance coverage if you show less than $32,000 of annual adjusted gross income. Of annual uh, adjusted gross income. Yes, sir. So that's basically that's income that's generated, but then that's income before expenses. Correct. Yep. And you said it has to be in the last two years tax returns. And is that the last two years of adjusted gross income? 
Yes, sir. Yep. So the insurance company will ask the applicant to send their last two years of tax returns. Mm -hmm. So for example, if somebody one year they made $50,000 and then the other year they made $10,000, the last two years, they'll send both those tax returns to the insurance company and they'll take the average of those two years. So the average of those two years would be $30,000. And then they would not approve that applicant of disability insurance coverage because it would it would be under the thirty two thousand dollars of average AGI threshold. Interesting. So again, Aaron, uh, not to put you on the spot, but oh no, absolutely. In a scenario where I guess these like it's a new practitioner, I'm starting out my practice. I'm thinking about disability insurance, but I guess what are my options? If I mean, the reality is it takes a couple of years to build a solid practice, right? Especially when you're wanting to generate at least 32000 in adjusted gross income. So I guess what happens in a scenario like that where you don't meet that threshold for whatever reason, because you're either starting out or, you know. Right. So the honestly, Melvin, the only, because that's a federal government rule, it's not a specific insurance company rule, that specific person would just have to wait till the next year of hopefully they will show more income. One thing that is also pretty common in people that run their own practice, like the listeners on this call, is they might deduct a lot of expenses through the business just, mm-hmm. to, just to save money on taxes, right? Call it like it is. And just being cognizant of that, that in order to receive that disability insurance coverage and the benefit, you would need to just show the $32,000. Interesting. Okay. So I'm sure folks are curious about disability insurance. And probably the the most logical question is like, what is a reasonable price for this? How much does it cost? Like all of those things. Right. So it's, it is insurance. So that number and the price is going to vary Hmm. based on your age and your health. That's the biggest benefactors that will change the price. But for example, if a 30 year old who's reasonably healthy, I always recommend it's probably going to be around one to 2% of your income. So just for example, if someone shows for every $100,000 of annual gross income, that'll probably cost around $1,700 or $2,300 a year. Just 1% to 2%, I think it's a strong balance that we're going to protect a ton of money um, while also not going to really hurt our, our cash flow as well. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So basically in that example, so you had $100,000 worth of income, 1% to 2%, and so it's 1700 to 2300 So, And that would essentially, if, you know, God forbid, if something were to happen, that would replace that, that would cover that $100,000 essentially. Correct. Got it. Are there any other kind of like, well, exact? So I've heard this phrase, writers. Like, mm-hmm. what in the world is that? Like, I feel like, you know, all these areas have such like unique language, you know? So. Yeah. So this is going back to the analogy of ordering a a hoagie at Wawa and having the other, putting additional toppings or condiments, right? So let's go back to the example. We have the type of policy we want, we picked out. We have the elimination period. We have the type of coverage, whether it's any or own occupation. And then we have the amount of coverage that we want to have as well for our income. The next step would be different riders that we would like to include on the policy. If we add any of these riders, it would increase the cost just a little bit, not a whole lot, but then there are some benefits and there there are a ton of riders out there, but I picked out two that I think are the ones that are very important that people should take into consideration. The first one is called additional purchase benefit. What that means is that you can add an additional uh, coverage on future income. And let's say, for example, you you have a $5,000 monthly additional purchase benefit option. What that means is anytime, as long as you own the policy, 
you'll be able to add more coverage without going through another application. So that's beneficial for as we get older and more unhealthy, and there's more of it, there could be a chance five or 10 years down the road that we get declined or it would jack up the prices because maybe we got more health, unhealthy or had a, had a health scare. The insurance company cannot discriminate that they will not test you for your insurability. You will be able to just sign that paper and increase that coverage amount. Okay. So that additional purchase benefit, that doesn't necessarily cover like future increases in income, but it's more the time frame that it covers. Is that right? It increases the coverage on more income. Interesting. Okay. So for example, practically, if a private practice owner, their income starts to increase as... And they want to protect more income, right? So let's use an example that private practice owner, they were only making $35,000 and that's the only amount of money that they protected in disability insurance. Five years later, they are now making $100,000. So we have a $65,000 gap of income that's not protected. And if they wanted to close that gap and they had the additional purchase benefit option, they would just be able to add more coverage that they would like without going through another underwriting process. It would just be automatically covered. And so again, a rider is basically like an add-on or an option. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And then you said there was another type that you would recommend as well. Yeah. So the other one would be an inflation protection. So there's two types of inflation protection, and I would recommend getting both on the policy. The first one would be protecting the amount of coverage that would happen, even if you still did not go into disability leave. So it would increase with inflation each year. So as we know, the average annual inflation is just around 3% for our country. So it would your coverage that would be protected would increase with inflation each year. So that way, if you became sick or hurt 15 years from when you originally bought the policy, that coverage is now up with inflation from when you originally bought it. It did not stay the same. Right. I want to make sure, folks, we kind of, I guess, briefly explain inflation. Yes. Uh, I may butcher this, but it's basically the idea that the dollar, you can buy less as we get further out. Correct. So every 20 years, the dollar like decreases in value by 50%. So a dollar today in 20 years will actually be worth only 50 cents. So that's typically how inflation works. That's why our grandparents always say, back in my day, it was only $3 to go to the movies, right? That's because of the whole inflation concept. So with our disability insurance coverage, you can add a rider that if you were got hurt or sick 20 years from now, that kept pace with inflation and it did not lose its value significantly. Got it. So I guess for folks listening and even for me, like what companies should I be looking into when I, as I sort of think about, you know, disability insurance and all of these things? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're doing your shopping and I always recommend to clients, when you're looking to add disability insurance to yourself, you want to look for very strong financial companies, very, very strong companies. And the reason being is that disability insurance is a very interesting type of insurance because there's so much gray going on. And so what does disability actually mean? And will the company actually pay the claim, et cetera? And for the example, life insurance is so black and white. You're either dead and you get the coverage or you're not dead, you don't get the coverage, right? Disability insurance, there's so much gray. And having a very strong financial company that is backing you with that insurance, there will be a much more likely scenario that there will not be a whole lot of gray and there won't be any issues of the claim being paid out. I wanted to ask you something related to this, which I feel like this is a common struggle for entrepreneurs, small business owners, right? Which we want to try to do everything on our own. And so I feel like this is smart to like 
try to do like find disability insurance on your own? Is it smart to go through a broker or a company? Like, I mean, what would you recommend? I always recommend working with a financial advisor like myself. And the reason being Melvin is one, the busyness of life. It's hard to take that time to actually do our research and do our due diligence. But also like we talked about in this whole call, there are so many different little twists and trades of it's not as simple as getting disability insurance and having an advisor who is experienced and licensed and knows all the different types of coverages out there and the different types of companies, he can do the shopping and exploring and he can order the sandwich for you in essence. You don't have to worry about the complexities and what type of coverage and what type of riders and benefits and et cetera, where when you work with an advisor who is trusted and trustworthy, he can do that shopping and the complexities for you. And all you have to worry about is, is my family and is my business going to be okay? That makes a lot of sense. Aaron, I did have a really random question, which I feel like is something maybe folks would struggle with, which is, let's say you don't have disability insurance coverage, and then you find out that you have some sort of a health issue like cancer, something like that, right? I guess what happens in that scenario where you don't have the coverage, and now at this point you have the diagnosis, right? Is someone even eligible for disability insurance or how does it work? Yeah. So you would still hope and you'd want to go through the application process, right? And again, going back to working with a financial advisor, they'll do the shopping for you. But just being quite honest with you, Melvin, it'll be tough to find an insurance company that will approve and insure that person if they've had those health scares already. But there are companies out there. So like we talked about, I always tell my clients, we'd go down the totem pole So we would go to the very financially strong companies like I talked about and see if they would approve us. And if they say no, then we go down the list and to find the company that will uh, give us that disability insurance protection. It's definitely still worth applying for and seeing if, if you can protect your income and your family and your business, but it is much trickier and much more expensive. Aaron, I'm so thankful for you for breaking down a topic that I know can get quickly complicated. Thank you so much for doing this. Where can folks learn more about you and the awesome work you're doing in the world? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I'll leave that to you to share them my email and even my number, my phone number is the best way to reach out to me. I do have a website and I have a a Facebook page and uh, you can always look me up on FINRA's website to make sure that I am a competent financial advisor. But if anyone that was a listener on this call was interested in connecting with me and learning more about financial planning in general, Melvin can definitely share my contact information and the way that process works is setting up a phone call that I can learn more about you and I can find out more about what is important to you, what your goals are, what your fears are, and if there's any way that I can help you close those gaps. Perfect, Aaron. And again, for those of you guys who are listening, I'll be sure to put that information in the show notes to today's episode, which you can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 156. Aaron, thank you again for doing this. Uh, Grateful for you. Grateful for our friendship, man. Likewise, man. Thank you very much for inviting me. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Aaron and especially if the world of disability insurance just seems scary or even if you've been thinking a lot about it but just weren't sure where to get started. I hope that today's episode has given you some clarity with regard to how to proceed. I feel like with episodes like this, it's always 
hard to have a full conversation, right, on a topic like this. But more than anything, I I hope that it has given you a glimpse of some of the different options when it comes to disability insurance. Aaron is actually going to be a future guest in the STC directory community. So if you're an STC directory member, uh, which you can learn more at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory, we're actually going to be doing a live Q&A with Aaron when it comes to some of these insurance-related matters. That way you can get support and help on some of the more unique and individual things that you may be going through in your life. You can find uh, show notes to today's episode over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one five six. And I'll have Aaron's contact information on there for you guys. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.